The University of Florida College of Medicine is accredited by the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education, ACCME, to provide continuing medical education for physicians. The University of Florida College of Medicine designates this enduring material for a maximum of 0.25 AMA PRA Category 1 credit. Physicians should claim only the credit commensurate with the extent of their participation in this activity. Welcome to UF Health Med EdCast with UF Health Shands Hospital. I'm Melanie Cole, and I invite you to listen as we discuss the clinical indications for treatment of brain tumors with laser interstitial thermotherapy. Joining me is Dr. Maryam Rahman. She's an assistant professor of neurosurgery in the Department of Neurosurgery at the University of Florida College of Medicine. Dr. Rahman, it's a pleasure to have you join us today. This is a fascinating topic. Tell us the prevalence before we get into LT, L-I-T-T. Tell us the prevalence of metastatic brain tumors. Tell us a little bit about this condition, how it comes about, and what's generally the primary cause. The nice thing about LIT or laser interstitial thermotherapy is that much like surgery, you can use it for multiple indications. And malignant brain tumors is just one of many indications which include epilepsy, benign conditions, even things like radiation necrosis. But my specialty is in the area of brain tumors. And brain tumors are a major cause of morbidity and mortality from childhood all the way through adulthood. Metastatic brain tumors, which are tumors that have spread from cancer somewhere in the body, are much more common than primary brain cancer. And we have about 100,000 new cases of metastatic brain tumors reported each year in the United States. And there are about 10,000 cases of new primary brain cancers reported each year in the United States. And of course, those numbers do not include the patients who survive for greater than a year and continue to struggle with their disease. Since virtually any systemic malignancy can metastasize to the brain, are there some that have a greater proclivity to do so? Tell other providers some of the most common reasons for metastases that you see. Absolutely. What the question you're asking is very relevant. Primary cancers that have a predisposition to metastasizing to the brain include lung cancers, both non-small cell and small cell, breast carcinomas, those two are the most common, melanoma, renal cell carcinoma, colon cancer, and then the other things that are less common can go to the brain, but we see them less commonly. So then tell us some of the challenges of treating these types of brain metastases, and was it previously due to the inability to monitor tissue temperature during laser treatment, or thus the control of the extent of the ablation. Tell us some of the challenges that you've run into in treating these, and then we'll get into LIT. Patients who present with brain metastases, each patient is different, and this is much more true for patients with brain metastases and other conditions because we have to look at multiple factors, including the type of cancer they have, the control of the cancer elsewhere in their body. Is that the cancer elsewhere in their body controlled, or is it also growing or metastasizing elsewhere? the functional status of the patient, how well do they look, can they do their activities of daily living, what current treatments have they received, have they received chemotherapy, radiation, prior surgeries for their cancer, and all of those are factors that we take into consideration. Treatment options for patients with brain metastases traditionally include surgical resection, fractionated radiotherapy, and then stereotactic radiosurgery, which is a high-dose, typically one-time treatment for tumors. And all of these therapies have pretty good response rates of the tumors and local control rates, and they each have their pros and cons. 
The nice thing about LIT is that it provides an alternative treatment. It's minimally invasive and oftentimes is an option when patients have failed one or multiple of the prior treatments that I just mentioned. Well, then as treatment approaches for metastatic brain tumors continue to evolve, as we're talking about today, with increasing emphasis on focal therapies, tell us a little bit about LIT. Describe the clinical indications for it and really how of the development of complementary technologies such as interoperative MRI, how have they contributed to your ability to do this procedure? Basically, what you state is correct. So LIT is now possible. So we've had the ability to place a fiber optic or laser probe within the brain and deliver a heat-based treatment for decades. That has always been possible. The limitations of that treatment previously were that we had no way of knowing how much heat we were delivering and how that heat was spreading through the tissue. And so with the advent of intraoperative MRI and with software that now gives us thermal data about the tissue heating process real-time during treatment, it allows us to do this safely. And so the way the procedure works, and it's a little bit different depending on what center you go to, but the basic framework is the same, which is that you have to very accurately choose a trajectory that will get the laser probe safely into the lesion to allow you to perform a biopsy and to then place the laser probe down the center of the lesion so that you can get most of the lesion with the laser ablation. And we use stereotaxis to attain that level of accuracy within a millimeter. And then the patient is typically placed in the MRI scanner or an intraoperative MRI scanner is brought into the operating room. And you first obtain an anatomic scan that will show you what you traditionally think of, the data that you see with an MRI scan where you can see the brain structures. And then you advance the laser probe to the part of the tumor that you want to burn. And at that point, the MRI scanner goes on and the data that we're receiving from the MRI is no longer anatomic data where we see the structures of the brain, but actually thermal data. So we actually see the heat that we're generating. And that gets onlaid onto the map of the anatomic brain of the patient. And so as we turn the laser on, we can see the heat that we're generating. There's complex formulas used to determine how much heat for how long you need to actually cause that portion of the tissue to die. And then you move the laser probe back along the tumor until you have the entire tumor coverage with appropriate heat. And once you're done, you take the laser out. Usually it's a small incision half a centimeter long that gets closed with a single stitch. And for us, most of those patients go home the following day. Wow, isn't that so interesting? So as this procedure enters the fields of neurosurgery and neuro-oncology, Dr. Rahman, speak about patient selection and why proper patient selection for the appropriate indication is of utmost importance to ensure success of LIT. Because LIT is minimally invasive, it does give us the opportunity to treat patients who otherwise may be high risk for surgery and may not be able to tolerate a big craniotomy or general anesthesia. Depending on the center that you go to, LIT is performed a little bit differently from an anesthetic side, but here at the University of Florida, oftentimes we do these without any anesthesia or just some mild sedation, as long as the patient isn't claustrophobic for the MRI. But the limitation is size of tumor, which is the same limitation we have for radiosurgery. And so we can treat tumors up to about the two to three centimeter range. As they get larger than that, it is hard to get enough coverage from the laser probe to cover the entire tumor with the heat. And sometimes we do use multiple trajectories. So sometimes we'll actually place two lasers from different trajectories to try to cover lesions that are a little bit larger that have a funny shape and aren't perfectly circular or oval in shape. But size is one limitation. And the other thing is that after treatment, this is actually a pro and a con of the treatment, 
is that you'll get this pretty robust inflammatory response within the tumor as the tumor cells are dying. And so your brain and your immune system detect that. And a lot of immune cells infiltrate that area to take up those dead and dying tumor cells. The benefit of that is you get this immune response that you can then further augment with immunotherapy, which is one of the things that we're investigating pretty intently here at the University of Florida. The downside of that is you do get some brain swelling after treatment. And so if you're in smaller lesions, that's not a problem. But in larger lesions, sometimes that's something that would require us to treat with steroids or other therapies to reduce the brain swelling. So how well tolerated is this procedure from the patient's perspective? From the patient's perspective, the actual procedure, if they're awake for it, it does require some patience because they are awake and sitting in MRI scan for longer than you would for normal, regular scan. But from the standpoint of pain and recovery, it's much better than undergoing a craniotomy or anything else invasive that we do. In fact, all of our patients go home the next day, and most of them are feeling back to themselves within a week or two. Before we wrap up, give us your view of the expected outcomes of LIT-treated brain tumors and what you've seen and what you'd like other providers to take away from this episode as far as the importance of referral and what you'd like them to know about this type of therapy. What I would say is expected outcomes from LIT depends a little bit of the tumor type. I'll say response rates with LIT for brain metastasis, radiation necrosis, other conditions. The long-term control rates are similar to surgical resection and radiosurgery, so they range between the 80 to 90 percent local control rates. The local control rates with high-grade glioma, which is primary brain cancer, are lower than that, but that is also true with all the other therapies that we have for high-grade glioma. And what I would say is that I think LIT is a good option for patients who have either deep lesions that are not accessible from a surgical resection standpoint, or lesions that have failed other treatments such as surgery, fractionated radiation, or radiosurgery, and you need an option, or patients who you don't think would tolerate general anesthesia and a craniotomy, LIT is a good option for that. And we do have two clinical trials here now testing LIT with immunotherapy, either for brain metastasis or for high-grade glioma, and we have some interesting preliminary data demonstrating that the type of cell death that cells undergo with LIT provides an advantage when you augment with immunotherapy. You also obviously get breakdown of the blood-brain barrier with LIT treatment, which allows therapies that otherwise wouldn't penetrate the brain to penetrate the brain for up to four weeks after treatment. And we're trying to take advantage and leverage those qualities of LIT with some of these other novel therapies that we're testing. Wow, thank you so much, Dr. Rahman. What an interesting segment. Thank you for coming on and sharing your expertise with us today to refer your patient. Or to learn more about this and other healthcare topics at UF Health Shands Hospital, please visit ufhealth.org slash medmatters to get connected with one of our providers. That concludes today's episode of UF Health Med Edcast with UF Health Shands Hospital. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other UF Health Shands Hospital podcasts. I'm Melanie Cole.